This is episode 56 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are How to Keep Tomato Plants Healthy, 5 Tips to Eliminate Blight and Disease Naturally, Why There Will Never Be a Political Solution to America's Problems, and When Grocery Stores Go Empty, These Four Foods Will Help You Survive. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, I hope everyone had a great weekend. Hope you got some time to go spend outdoors. Uh, I did build a little stand-up desk. Um, I, I've moved from the campus to uh, the district office. I, I know I've mentioned that before, but I'm sitting at a desk now, and uh, I can't. I just I'm not used to sitting down for that long. So made myself a little stand-up desk so that I can uh, stand up throughout the day and stretch my legs and the, all that good stuff. So I got, got to spend a little bit of time outside. Hey, I'd like to remind you that uh, Preppers University is uh, their open enrollment right now for registering. And uh, I think this is a great deal. I talked about it on the Friday podcast. Um, I looked at it closely and decided to go ahead and join up as an affiliate because uh, I, I see the value in it. Uh, I've done other uh, types of webinars and, and different things like that uh, throughout, the, throughout my years. And the amount of value that you're getting here, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, I guess the, the big thing is that you get to do webinars, live webinars with uh, experts in the preparedness field. And so there's, they've got a, a great lineup for you. Uh, and so you can go a couple of different routes. I know that just just from the um, the uh, the poll that I ask uh, people when they sign up for Prepper website, I know that there's a great different amount of people out there. So about half of you have been prepping for five or more years, and then the other half have been have been prepping you know five or or, or less, and then even some we have some that are actually a good number prepping less than two years. And so there's a lot of information out there for you, but this uh, Preppers University, it's, it's very intensive. So you have an eight-week intensive course, then you have that six-week advanced uh, intensive course. Uh, and so again, the big draw is that you get to be in this webinar with this preparedness experts, uh, and you get to ask them questions. You know, they're they're going over materials. They've got expertise that you get to uh, hear from, and then the rest of the community that they have uh, created around this. I mean, you you get into the exclusive Facebook group. They've got the forum. They've got uh, tons and tons of information there. And so here, this is what I want to encourage you to do. If you would, if you are anywhere, just kind of like, hey, all right, Todd, I'm uh, just just a little bit interested, just go over to the website and check it out and see what they have. So it's PreppersUniversity.com and then forward slash PW, that PW stands for Prepper Website. So PreppersUniversity.com slash forward slash PW and go, and I'm, I'm going to challenge you to go look at the calendar and see how it sets up. It's, so it sets up... Uh, well, it starts in uh, on the 14th, 
And so uh, look at the calendar, see what they have for you, see who the, the lineup is, and then also go look at the facts section, uh, uh, the FAQs. And so you, you get a little bit of information there. And remember, if you decide to sign up, you get a $10 off your registration if you use the coupon code TAKE10, all capital, all one word, uh, T-A-K-E-T-E-N, TAKE10. Uh, when you do that, when you register, and you'll get $10 off of that. But uh, it's, a, it's a big value. I hope to be a part of it as well and uh, see you in that webinar so or the webinar and then the Facebook group and stuff like that. So hopefully I can be a part of that. So, uh, hey, you know, if you if you got any questions, don't hesitate to hit up uh, Lisa Bedford or Daisy Luther. Uh, you can go to their Facebook pages and, and hit them up. They'll be more than willing to answer any questions for you. Uh, you know, you've got two women there that have done a lot of work in the preparedness community. So right there. Uh, that's a lot of value, but then they're bringing in all these other experts. So definitely something to uh, to look into. So uh, you can you can come to episode 56 or even 55 of uh, the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. I'm forgetting my own website uh, name, the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com, and you can link to it, or you can just go straight to PreppersUniversity.com forward slash PW, and uh, you can get all that information. And one last thing before I start, I, I wanted to, oh, I was thinking about maybe not doing three, uh, three to four, I, I mostly do three articles, a podcast. I was thinking maybe about doing two and just seeing, because I was trying to keep it below 30 minutes, but it seems like I'm going 45, uh, 40 to 45 minutes every uh, every podcast. And so I, I, this last week I listened to a podcast and it was about 20 minutes and I got to tell you, after listening to it, I wanted more. Um, there's there's been some podcasts where like I just you know I get through it and delete it and, and you know never listen to that episode again. But on this one, it was like man that that was a good podcast. That was something that was very valuable. I'm gonna go look up these guys. I'm gonna go get some more information. I'm gonna go to their website. And so I was just wondering if maybe uh, if I can get some feedback from some of you people out there, uh, and you can hit me up on you know I'm on you know Facebook. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, you can email me, you can come to be a part of the free Facebook group and, uh, you know, let me know. What do you think? Is is maybe three kind of pushing it? Do you do you not get to the third one? Uh, is two, you know, two, would, would that be a good number for you? Uh, I'm just curious to get a little bit of feedback and I might try that this week. Uh, depending on the feedback, depending on what I hear, I might just try it and see, you know, what happens there and, and kind of go from there. But anyway, so just some some thoughts there. Let's go ahead and go to our first article of the podcast. This comes to us from Old World Farms Garden. Uh, they always have great gardening articles over there. And this one is specifically about tomatoes and blight and disease. Um, I'm dealing with that here in my own garden this year. And with you know cucumbers and with tomatoes and trying to deal with it organically, trying not to put anything uh, on there that would uh, you know chemical based. And uh, I think I found something that will work, but you got to really stay on top of it. And uh, so I, I hopefully maybe sharing that in a in an article or something uh, there. Man, I don't know if you can hear that. That's a low flying airplane going over my house. <laughs> right. All right, so how to keep tomato plants healthy, five tips to eliminate blight and disease naturally. When it comes to growing tomatoes, a great harvest all begins with keeping your tomato plants healthy all season long. Nothing can be more depressing than to watch your tomato plants wither away from blight and disease. 
and plants that are weakened from disease then become an easy target for pests. It can be a downward spiral that leads to total garden and gardener frustration. However, there is no need to despair. There are some very simple tried and true methods that can keep your tomato plants healthy all year long. Five simple tips to keep your tomato plants healthy. Number one, rotate where you plant your tomatoes. Growing tomatoes is the same, in the same garden space year after year is inviting disease, disaster. Tomatoes are one of the most susceptible vegetable plants when it comes to soil-borne disease. By planting over and over again in the same location, soil easily becomes infected with tomato blight spores and more. By rotating where you plant every year, you instantly minimize the potential for blight and disease. Try to never grow tomatoes in the same space for a minimum of three years. Four is even better. Uh, just, uh, you know, looking at my own gardening uh, issues in the back, I only have a certain amount of garden space. So if I want tomatoes, I, you know, I've got to, um, you know, I've got to think about this, how I'm going to do it. Maybe go into some gardening or container gardening, uh, you know, aspects here so that I can go ahead and have tomatoes. I'll tell you one of the other things in dealing with tomatoes has been squirrels. They have been really bad. I had to put some nets out and, and uh, pin them down to be able to, uh, you know, be able to eat some of my own harvest. All right, here we go. So number two, start them off with a calcium boost. Black rot and blossom rot are two of the most common tomato issues gardeners face. They are caused by a lack of calcium in the soil. Rotating crops will help this problem some because it gives the plants new soil, new fertilizer soil every year. However, you can go one step more by adding in a few crushed egg shells at planting time. The egg shells provide much needed calcium to the tomatoes as they break down. This is a huge help in eliminating black rot and blossom rot. Just crush two or three eggshells up in your hand and mix into your planting hole around the roots. We even add in two teaspoons of coffee grounds at planting time for a boost of nitrogen. Coffee and eggs, just like us, tomatoes benefit greatly from a little breakfast. Hey, can I, uh, I'm going to ask for another, I mean, I'm asking for a lot of feedback out there, but those of you who are experienced gardeners, um, you know, I've done articles before on Prepper website where people use eggshells, but they they bake them in the in their oven for a little while to make sure that all salmonella, all that. You know, after they kind of rinse them out, to make sure that all salmonella is kind of killed off and everything. Uh, if there's someone out there who doesn't do that and has never had any problems, you know, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, if you just take the you know the eggs and you just kind of rinse them off a little bit and then go straight to your garden, I'd be interested in 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 what you uh, what you do and what you found. Uh, in the past there. Number three is mulch your plants. Mulching your plant does a whole lot more than just prevent weeds. It also prevents disease. Many of the soil-borne diseases that can affect tomatoes are splashed up on the leaves directly from the soil. Every time it rains or you water, these spores can find a home on the bottom leaves. By mulching, you can reduce or even eliminate that problem entirely. We use a combination of compost and straw as our mulch making sure to not leave any soil bare for at least 18 inches around each plant. Number four is prune your plants as they grow. As, you plant, as your plant grows, keep the bottom of each plant trimmed up to at least six inches above the soil line. This allows light and circulation into the plants, a key in keeping mold and fungal disease at bay. It also makes it harder for many insects to find a ride up onto the plant. Be sure as well to prune off any foliage that shows signs of blight or disease, by walking through the garden each day and trimming back, you can keep disease from spreading quickly to other, plants of, to other parts of the plant or adjacent plants. Number five is clear the plants when the season ends. 
As a final tip, be sure to clear out your tomato plants and all vegetable plants at the end of each growing season. Allowing old plants to overwinter is inviting disease and insect problems to take hold in garden soil. Pull up your plants, roots and all, as soon as they are done producing. We do not compost our tomato plants. This is simply too much, there is simply too much chance to pass on disease. We actually burn ours in the fire pit to kill off any spores, bacteria or insects and then add the ashes to the pile. This process also eliminates hundreds of volunteer tomato seeds from coming up in our compost the next year. Alright, so good article there. Some things that you can do. Uh, like I said, I'm working on something for the blight that I'm seeing in my garden. And hopefully I'll be able to share that with you a little bit uh, well, real soon here and uh, help some people out there. Hey, this next article comes to us from the Economic Collapse blog. Uh, Michael Schneider always puts out uh, you know, great articles. Uh, again, what I like about Michael is that he does... Um, he usually backs it up with a lot of resources, and it's just not his opinion that he's given. This one is, uh, you know, one that a lot of us might be feeling right now is why there will never be a political solution to America's problems. And uh, when you look around at our politics and some of the things, I think a lot of people had a lot of hope that the uh, quote unquote R uh, got in, the Republican got in. And uh, had a lot of high expectations. We're hoping a lot of good things were going to happen. And then you kind of see your dreams dashed. Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of started having low expectations a long time ago. But uh, anyway, so let me read this one here, and you, you can see how you feel. And uh, maybe if you're one of those who, you know, you really thought things were going to change. Uh, I don't know if if you're. If you are changing, if you're starting to lose hope in the political system or the people out there, you know, hey, come to the come to the Facebook group and, and drop us a line. But let me go ahead and read this one. Why do things never seem to change no matter who we send to Washington? It seems like for decades many of us have been trying to change the direction of this country by engaging in the political process. But no matter how hard we try, the downward spiral of our nation just continues to accelerate. Just look at this latest spending deal. Even though the American people gave the Republicans control of the White House, the Senate, and the House of Representatives, this deal very closely resembles a, quote, an Obama administration-era budget, end quote. It increases spending even though we have already been adding more than a trillion dollars a year to the national debt. It specifically forbids the building of a border wall. It fully funds Planned Parenthood, and there are dozens of other concessions to the Democrats in it. As I previously warned, these quote-unquote negotiations were a political route of epic proportions. Perhaps many of us were being highly unrealistic when we expected that Donald Trump could change things, because fixing America is going to take a lot more than getting the right number of red or blue politicians to Washington. Rather, the truth is that the real problem lies in our hearts, and the corrupt politicians that currently represent us are simply a reflection of who we have become as a nation. The generations of people that founded this nation and established it as the greatest republic that the world had ever seen had far different values than most Americans do today. So until there is a dramatic shift in how most of us see the world, it is quite likely that not much in Washington will change. Throughout the camp campaign, Donald Trump spoke boldly about draining the swamp, but this spending deal very much reflects the swamp's priorities. The Washington Post had published a list of eight ways that, quote-unquote, Trump got rolled in his first budget negotiation. And in this case, the Post is quite correct. Number one, there are explicit restrictions to block the border wall. Two, 
non-defense domestic spending will go up despite the Trump team's insistence he wouldn't let that happen. Number three, Barack, Barack Obama's cancer moonshot is generously funded. Four, Trump fought to cut the Environmental Protection Agency by a third. The final deal trims its budget by just 1% with no staff cuts. Number five, he didn't defund Planned Parenthood. Number six, the president got less than half as much for the military as he said was necessary. Seven, Democrats say they forced Republicans to withdraw more than 160 riders. Number eight, to keep negotiations moving, the White House already agreed last week to continue paying Obamacare subsidies. In essence, the Democrats got virtually everything that they wanted and the Republicans got next to nothing. Trump and the Republicans are promising that they will fight harder, quote-unquote, next time, but we have already heard that empty promise from, from Republicans year after year going all the way back to 2011. Among many other conservative pundits, author Daniel Horowitz is absolutely blasting these, quote-unquote, weak-kneed Republicans, and this is a quote from his article. Now, with control of all three branches and a president who sold himself in the primaries as the antithesis of weak-kneed Republicans who don't know the first thing about tough negotiations, we are in the same exact position. Last night, President Trump signaled that after not even fighting on refugee resettlement and Planned Parenthood, he would cave on the final budget issue, the funding of the border fence, but fear not, he'll resume his demand the next time. This degree of capitulation with control of all three branches is impressing even me, and I had low expectations of this president and this party. They have managed to get run over by a parked car. It's truly breathtaking to contrast the performance of Democrats in the spring of 2009 with what Republicans have done today with all three branches. At this time in 2009, Democrats passed the bailouts, the stimulus, the first round of financial regulations, an equal pay bill, S-chip expansion, and laid the groundwork for other bigger proposals such as cap-and-trade and Obamacare. Then they got everything they wanted in the March 2009 omnibus bill, and a number of GOP senators voted for it. We, on the other hand, are left with nothing. End quote. And even the mainstream media is admitting that the Democrats made out like bandits in this deal. Just check out the following quotes. This is from Bloomberg. Overall, the compromise resembles more of an Obama administration era budget than a Trump one. The Associated Press calls it a lowest common denominator measure that won't look too much different than the deal that could have been struck on Obama's watch last year. Reuters. While Republicans control the House, Senate, and White House, Democrats scored significant victories in the deal. The Los Angeles Times described the agreement as something of an embarrassment to the White House. Trump engineered the fiscal standoff shortly after he was elected, insisting late last year that Congress should fund the government for only a few months so he could put his stamp on federal spending as a new president. If Trump can't get his priorities funded now, do you think that the Democrats will somehow become more agreeable after he has spent a year or two in the White House? Of course not. If there ever was going to be a border wall, it was going to happen now. If Planned Parenthood was ever going to be defunded, it was going to happen now. From this moment forward, the blood of every child that Planned Parenthood kills will be on the hands of every, every Republican that voted for the bill or that signed this bill. The next big battle is going to be over a bill to repeal and replace Obamacare, but the truth is that Trumpcare is going to end up looking very much like Obamacare. 
Instead of repealing it, the Republicans are trying to fix Obamacare. And that is kind of like going to the dump and trying to fix a big steaming pile of garbage. But like I explained earlier, we should not expect things to move in a positive direction in Washington, D.C. until the value of those representing us change. At this point, there are only a few dozen members of the House and a handful of members of the Senate that even give lip service to the values of our founders. And until our values change, we are not going to send representatives to Washington and sh that share the values of our founders. Sadly, most Americans know very little about the history of early America. I would encourage everyone to look into why our founders came to this country in the first place, what they believed was the most important in life, and how they viewed the world. If we ever want to make America great again, we need to return to those values. Otherwise, we're just blowing a lot of hot air. So, um, you know, I'm going to have to defer to, to uh, Jack Spirko over at the Survival Podcast. He's talked a lot about this. I remember he wrote an article and I posted it on Prepper website and I got, I got angry emails, man, because he was basically saying why he wasn't going to uh, vote in the, I think it was the last election. Not the not the one with Trump, but the the one before that. And uh, man, I got angry people emailing me saying, you know, take that down, and, and we need people to come out and vote, and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, my my position is that I put information out there on Prepper website, and I want I want people to use their own critical thinking skills and come up with their own ideas and and come up with it, uh, you know, and and make up their minds from there. There's been even times where I've put articles with two opposing views on you know whatever food storage or whatever uh out there on prepper website right next to each other on purpose so that people would read those and then you know be forced to come up with their own decisions but um i gotta defer to him on this one man because it's like this the more things are the same the more things don't change right it's uh or uh, <laughs> i think that's something like that he there's a quote uh that he says something similar to that but um it's you know it, things are never going to change. These people in Washington are in there for the power. They they're power hungry. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter you know what they say. They're going to do the things that keep them in power no matter what. And so that's what we have here. That and the Republicans had an uh, awesome opportunity to do a whole bunch of uh, good and, and repeal a whole bunch of stuff. And there's going to be some people that are listening to this and they're going to like, oh yeah, but he's done this and he's done this. I mean, it's you know, there's not that's not enough. There's got to be more things that are you know that are going to go forth and happen. The things that need to be done. That's why at the end of every podcast I talk about you know don't be dependent on the the government. You can't be dependent on the government for what they're going to do and, and how they're doing things because eventually you know they're gonna they're gonna fail you definitely they're gonna fail you and so good article there you want to go check it out michael always has uh, a lot of um a lot of trolls on his stuff but uh but a lot of comments over there and there's a lot of other you know links actually all of these articles have some good links that you're going to want to uh, go check out all right so let's go ahead and move on to our last article of the podcast this comes to us from readynutrition.com, uh, uh, and the article is called "When Grocery Stores Go Empty: These Four Foods Will Help You Survive." And so, I want to say uh, really quickly: when when 
there's ever an article that is written like this, people will like, hey, you should have your own food stores. You shouldn't have to go out there, you know, during before an emergency. And and so, um, yes, I think everyone would agree. And then this author, if you listen closely, he's going to deal with that. He's going to be saying why you might want to go to the grocery store, uh, you know, before it goes empty. There's some reasons why uh, for that. But, you know, it's always kind of a, a good idea to be thinking about it. For instance, if you did get a heads up, if you did feel, you got that little tingly feeling on the inside, hey, something's going to happen, what kinds of things would you go to the grocery store first? Uh, you know, you can, always, you can always top off, right? And so anyway, uh, let's go ahead and read this article. And you're going to have to read it with an open or listen to it with an open mind because there's some things in here like, ah, even when I was listening to it or when I was reading it, I was like, man, I don't know about that one. But uh, let's go ahead and read this one. The only things preppers fear more than masses of unprepared people during an emergency is being one of those people. That's why our ultimate nightmare scenario would be not having any non-perishable food on hand during a serious disaster. However, there's plenty of reasons why an otherwise prepared person might not be prepared when the SHTF. You could be out of town or out of the country visiting family members who aren't preppers. Or perhaps you're having financial problems. So maybe you've had to dip into your food supply or if you prefer buying canned food over freeze-dried food, you haven't been able to restock items that have spoiled. Or perhaps you're new to prepping and you haven't gotten around to building up a food supply. Whatever the case may be, you should ask yourself, what would you do if you were one of those people who raced to the grocery store at the last minute during a disaster? Before you answer that, you have to consider the very real possibility that by the time you reach the grocery store, the shelves will be at least partially stripped. The first food items that will sell out mostly consist of things that are already cooked or prepared in some way, including canned foods, frozen dishes, and bread. Fresh meat and eggs would also disappear pretty fast, despite the fact that they need to be cooked. Ideally, you want to avoid this scenario altogether by prepping beforehand. In the Prepper's Cookbook, Tess Pennington highlights key strategies for building an emergency pantry. This takes planning, so if you haven't already done so, start today. Ideally, you want to store shelf-stable foods that your family normally consumes, as well as find foods that are multi-dynamic and serve many purposes. These are the 25 foods she suggests that preppers should have in their pantries. Have a backup plan for the grocery store. If you end up having to rush to the grocery store during an emergency, you should be prepared to employ a different strategy for finding food. If, when you arrive at the store, there are already a lot of people grabbing the low-hanging fruit like canned foods, bread, etc., don't join them. You're probably only going to find the scraps that they haven't gotten to yet. Instead, move immediately towards the food items that won't disappear as quickly and can substitute the foods that everyone is going to fight over first. To employ the strategy properly, you only need one thing. Something to cook with that doesn't require the grid, such as camp stove with a few fuel canisters. You'll need something like that because many of the food items that disappear later in the game tend to need some preparation. These four emergency food alternatives can keep you alive. So with that said, what kinds of food should you go after when you arrive at a grocery store later than everyone else? Instead of bread, go straight for the flour. Don't worry if you can't find any yeast. You can always make hardtack, tortillas, or naan. You might also find that the sack of dried rice and beans won't disappear until after the canned foods go. 
When combined, these two make a complete protein and are perfect for emergency food meals. Keeping cooking times in mind with the beans and go for small beans like navy or lentils. If you find that the produce section is stripped bare, go to the supplement aisle instead. There you'll find all of the vitamins and minerals that are normally found in fresh produce. Look for food-based or whole food vitamins. You'll also find protein powders that can at least partially substitute fresh meat. As well, look for seeds to sprout. Sprouts provide the highest amount of vitamins, minerals, proteins, and enzymes of any of food per unit of calorie. Enzymes are essential because they heal the body, cleanse the body, prevent diseases, enhance the overall function of bodily organs, aids in digestion, and removes gas from the stomach. If fresh meat or canned meat is gone from the shelves, a substitute for is dog food. Though this may disgust most people, desperate times call for desperate measures. It's really cheap and packed with protein. The only downside, of course, is that pet food usually doesn't face the same health standards as human food. If it can be helped, go for the wet food instead of the kibble. Though you'll probably be fine eating any dog food for a couple of weeks, dry dog food isn't as safe as wet food. Plus, the cans of wet food will be much more hydrating. And finally, instead of trying to find butter, which will be one of the first food items to disappear, try looking for alternatives. Remember you need fats in your diet. Healthy oils like coconut oil or avocado oil provide healthy nutrition and can be used for cooking, added to coffee, oats, beverages, and other foods. In addition, one of the most nutrient-dense foods that are often forgotten during emergency food planning is in the health aisle. Look for granola and nuts. Nuts are calorie-dense and full of fiber to help you stay full longer. Due to the high protein count as this natural food, it can be an efficient meat replacement too. Look for non-salted nut varieties to keep you hydrated longer. It's packed with calories and can go weeks without spoiling when it's not refrigerated. Read more about the ideal bug out meal plan here. Alternatively, if all the healthy oils and nuts have been taken, look for some lard. It's sometimes labeled manteca. It will probably be overlooked, but has just as many calories as butter and lasts a really long time. That manteca is a Spanish word for lard. And uh, yeah, you, you, it's, I mean, it's there. I see it all the time when I go to the grocery store. Just some people aren't going to realize what that is. So uh, maybe keep an eye out for it next time you go to the grocery store and, and see that one. All right, let me finish this uh, one little paragraph left. Of course, many of these items aren't the best tasting or the most healthy. They're certainly not ideal. But then again, neither is being caught in a disaster with, without your food preps. If you arrive at the grocery store before everyone else, by all means, go after the good stuff. However, if you aren't lucky enough to beat the crowds, now you know what kinds of foods you should grab first. All right, so again, like I said, this is another one of those articles. There's 21 comments here. There's another one of those articles that has, uh, you know, the idea is like if you have to, you know, this is what you, you know, you should do or you can, you know, consider that kind of stuff. Um, the very the the thing that everyone should be working to uh, towards is having long term food storage, having uh, you know a deep pantry, those kinds of things. That should be you know automatic. Uh, if you are into preparedness, even if you're barely getting in, that should be one of the first things that you're you're doing is is making sure that uh, you know working through ways of storing water, ways to purify and filter water, and building up your food pantry and all the different ways that you can do that. 
This article has a ton of links that you're going to want to go to, uh, helpful information that you can click on. So you want to go visit that one uh, at Ready Nutrition. So again, all of these articles are going to be linked on episode 56 of the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. So you can get it there and go check these out. Uh, a lot of good information. All right, if you get a chance, come by the website and share out this episode. I really appreciate that. We make it really easy for you. All right, so until next time, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, the grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.